Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. We are going to break down the Sunday NFL Divisional Round slate, the two-game slate, right? You already started maybe or you're about to this four-game slate very nicely, but check out the two-game slate. There's some huge prize pools on all of these sites, including DraftKings, which is the salaries I'll be using for this one. I have my interest by position for this. It's going to be a little bit different than the four-game slate because the prices are different. The options are less, so you have to be just more strict about your yeses, strict about your player pool, maybe take in some bottom feeders who might have a couple of receptions, some sneaky plays. I don't know how much that's going to be needed probably not too much especially with the type of teams that we have on this slate but it's awesome to take a look at also what i don't do on the four game slate and did it for the first time i think just for quarterbacks and running backs every single position i have my ranks one through whatever it might be quarterback there's four one through four the same thing for running back wide receiver so that is a nice little new wrinkle to this that i don't usually do in these videos just to make the two game slate a little bit more unique these videos so before we get into it hit that subscribe button my goal is to hit and we're on a really good track twenty thousand subscribers before the super bowl i do have a giveaway of fifty dollars to one new subscriber or any subscriber uh, who does hit the notification bell but you have to have the notification bell hit with the subscribe button i'm also running this on the audio version if you hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star rate and review saying something nice about the show a winner will be picked and announced on the monday video so be sure to tune in for that it's across all of my content so if you want to go back and watch a other video from this weekend from the nfl or nba or pga from this week it is still eligible to comment there get another entry so that helps me with the subscribing today's video is sponsored by fantasy draft they are rake free dfs check fantasy draft out it is another salary format but there's no rake you save about 15 percent on the site on a daily basis probably 25 percent or so over your long term yes they don't have the crazy big prize pools but you are literally making more money per entry a better roi per entry if you put your money over on fantasy draft if you're just not hitting first place all the time on DraftKings. which let's be honest not everybody's hitting first place every single time you might get it once and props for you but not consistently enough so be sure to check out fantasy draft i'll put a link down below just clicking the link does help me it lets them know that you did come from me um so i appreciate it even if you don't want to sign up just click the link why not so i do have social media accounts you could also follow down below i'm very active on twitter as well as trying to get more active on instagram i have been since the nfl season has started thank you be sure to enter that contest Let's do it, King. Let's get into this two-game slate. I was excited to see last week that the two-game slate video got a lot of uh, attraction, and I actually like playing on the two-game slate. I thought it was pretty cool. If you do well on the four-game slate, you probably do well on the two-game slate, and if not, well, you get the two-game slate to satisfy you right after that, then a showdown slate. So starting with quarterback, number one ranked is Patrick, or is uh, Deshaun Watson, very close to Patrick Mahomes. They're both yeses for me, so they're kind of on a tier of their own. Deshaun Watson is facing a Kansas City team that ranks bottom five in pressure, really bottom three in pressure. That's huge for mobile quarterbacks if they can't tackle you. Now, he has a terrible offense offensive line the worst pass blocking advantage on the entire slate is Deshaun Watson on the road here and that's with the Kansas City defense that has no pressure that's how bad this offensive line is they have a really bad coverage unit though in terms of 19th in the league during the regular season a lot better at home though is the concern but Deshaun Watson is also a lot better in situations where he's trailing or playing from behind and now he likely gets Will Fuller back gets to put Kenny Stills in the slot where Stills has been much more effective and we'll see and we'll track it but he might have his second tight end Jordan Atkins back as well so and when I say might get Kenny Stiller back, it looks like it's, it's uh, or not Kenny Stiller's Will Fuller, it looks like it's a pretty done deal for him to return. Uh, they seem pretty optimistic about that. So I do like Watson. The only reason I don't have Mahomes higher is because Watson's $800 cheaper. So I do prefer the salary savings for a point per dollar basis projection wise a little bit more. But Mahomes projects out as the highest projected points quarterback on this slate so if i don't have to worry about salary if i already have the rest of my lineup and i can fit Mahomes, i'm going to choose him but if you're worrying about your salary i give the slight edge to watson 
Houston ranks 24th in coverage, 20th in pass rush with Watt back. That should help a little bit now to get a little bit better for Houston, but still not enough. It's just a really good offensive line for the Chiefs and a good offensive line blocking advantage. You have him at home in a spot with a 29 implied team total in a playoff game. I mean, it's, it's just let it rip for Patrick Mahomes today. The matchups for his wide receivers on the outside, especially Tyree Kill, are absolutely fantastic. Whether Joseph is to return in this one or whether it's Bradley Roby, who Roby has been good by all accounts, their best defensive back. But when you put that in the skill set of Tyree Kill, it's not even going to come close. Nobody's going to shadow him. Nobody's going to be able to cover him here. It's going to be a very good game for Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Kelsey, and company. And then you get down to the secondary interests, and I think they're also in play. But when you factor in that Wilson and Rodgers are very close to Deshaun Watson, for me, there's a pretty significant gap there. I do have Rodgers barely edging out Wilson at number three, has a higher team total, the four-point favorite at home, 25 and a half, 25 and a half team total. Russell Wilson, 21 and a half team total. The major concerns for Wilson are just protection. Green Bay ranks top five in pressure rates. Uh, the offensive line for the um, Seattle Seahawks ranks bottom five, and, and that's great for maybe you get more mobility out of Russell Wilson, more rushing yards, but you might also see just a lot less time to see anything develop downfield which I think a lot of people are underestimating when they actually are trying to write off the Packers at this point. And then you have Aaron Rodgers against a Seattle run pass rush that is ranked bottom five, a Packers offensive line and pass protection that is ranked top five. Seattle's average in their secondary unit. You're going to get Shaq Griffin, who's been very good as a cornerback, but he only stays on one side of the field. So you can scheme around that and get your Devontae Adams open to where you want him to be. This team is 28th in tackling, which you have Devontae Adams, who is one of the better players in the league, yards after contact and yards after the catch. Similar things can be said for Aaron Jones and even Jamal Williams this year. So I do like Aaron Rodgers ahead of Wilson, but I think they're both secondary options. Um, you can see here, I've, I've been running this giveaway as well. Follow on Instagram for a $20 giveaway. I accumulate all the new followers from the week and reach out to one with a $20 giveaway. Running backs now I have these ranked as well. So in the two game slate, it becomes more interesting and appealing for me to like some different players to probably get different. Now, I don't know if we have to go three running backs on the two-game slate. Last week, I think that three running backs was pretty optimal on the four-game slate and the three-game slate. There was just more to choose from, better ones to choose from. But on this slate, you have like every single running back on the slate is in some sort of committee. You're going to probably play somewhere around 50-60% of the snaps at best, and that's including Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is the one who breaks free from that committee the most because when he's on the field, he's touching the ball. Even if he only plays 60% of the snaps because Jamal Williams is back, Aaron Jones is still probably going to find himself 16 as a low number, 18 as a median number, and probably 20 as a high number in overall touches. Green Bay has the seventh best run blocking or seventh best run blocking unit in the entire league. They have a top two run blocking advantage on the entire weekend. Aaron Jones is a top five pass catching back according to Pro Football Focus. Seattle's run defense is pretty average and they are goddamn awful in tackling 28th in the league. So Jones is the, is the clear one in this pool that stands out. But Damian Williams does as well. The problem is these two might become the chalk. McCoy was, is un, has a lot of uncertainty around him. He was a healthy scratch week 16. Week 17, he was active and just didn't play. In those two games, Damian Williams goes for 35, 246, and 3. In the other game where McCoy was a healthy scratch this year around midseason, I don't remember the exact week, you had Damian Williams having 24 total touches to Darrell Williams 3. Look, Damian Williams has battled injury this year, which is a big reason why he hasn't been on the field as much, not because they like LaShawn McCoy more. I remember at the beginning of the season when they got McCoy, everybody thought this was going to be a a 50-50 backfield, maybe not that much, but maybe like a 50-40-10, something along those lines with Darwin Thompson. And it's kind of played out that way, but it's played out that way because Damian Williams was injured for, I don't know, half of the season dealing with uh, injuries and having to be limited. At $6,000, I like Damian Williams the second best. It just becomes down to, if you're playing cash, yeah, that's the way you probably go. If you're playing GPPs, I still think that's the way you go, but I think there are some better, maybe not better options, but better options on this two-game slate than the four-game slate to take risks on. Carlos Hyde being one of them. My three and four are very close. Carlos Hyde and Marshawn Lynch. 
Carlos Hyde is a huge underdog here, like a 10-point underdog, 9.5-point underdog, but Kansas City ranks 29th first run. We've seen Carlos Hyde have success in this matchup before, and I'm probably going to project him for 15 carries. No reception, so that's not great, but that's decent usage for $5,000. The other guy who's becoming a lot more appealing to me is Marshawn Lynch. They used him in the receiving game last week. He had two receptions on three targets. 25 yards and then after reading an article this past week from a beat writer and this was like yesterday after i did the four game slate video so this is new intel for all of you i heard that and i saw and read that uh, they want to get marshawn lynch more active in that area that wasn't just by coincidence whereas originally based on the data i was seeing it seemed like it was just by coincidence so it is good to always use context and and, and those types of things to kind of make sense of the numbers you're seeing but it was good to see that receiving production because otherwise this is a guy going to get 12 to 14 carries um, and not do anything else for you if he's not scoring a touchdown having two three receptions for 20 30 yards that's huge huge on a two-game slate uh, when you're 4800 and not to mention they said that there might be some limitations coming for travis homer because or homer because if you're going to get marshall lynch catching the ball more you just don't need him on the field marshall lynch is going to be the more powerful runner maybe not the more agile runner but definitely the goal line runner so there was hints that marshall lynch should see a role expansion this week and that they like what they're seeing out of him it's pretty crazy. He seems still out of shape compared to Homer, but what are you going to do? It's it's taking a risk on some coach speak there, but you at least got to see some of it last week. Duke Johnson is number five for me. You can honestly argue between Carlos Hyde, Marshawn Lynch, and Duke Johnson that any of them should be three, four, five. Like you could tell me Duke Johnson, you would rather have it five, three, and I would say, okay, right? He's an underdog in this one. The chances of him running more routes should go up, but <clears throat> we've seen it multiple times this year. It just doesn't happen. Like one time this year when they were trailing, they used Duke Johnson for like four or five receptions. Other than that, they haven't. Last week, you didn't really see it. Three catches for 30 yards, meh. Like he's $4,700. If he does that again and gets you your, your six, seven, eight fantasy points, it's not doing much for you. Now, I, I do think that there's more upside in this matchup for him to be a uh, quote-unquote unleashed here. I'm probably going to project him for around 8 to 10 touches instead of like the 6 that he saw last week, but it's still no slam dunk. I think Travis Homer is a pretty bad play at 5,100. Uh, he should run more routes, but in theory, if Lynch is running more, then it's going to impact the chances that Homer has to get on the field. He ran 21 routes last week, just saw one target, and that's because Lynch was seeing three targets, which is not good. So if that trend continues... Homer's a pretty bad play at 5,100. Week 17, he did see five targets, though, and caught all five. And the downside for him is that he sees no touchdown upside. So if he's $300 more than Marshawn Lynch, and they're going to run similar routes this week, that's what happened last week, and Lynch sees all the goal line work, and they each see, I don't know, Lynch sees 12 carries, Homer sees 10, it's really hard to try and project Homer for anything better than Lynch. And then finally, my final interest is going to be, and I have to put Lynch as a maybe here, otherwise a no. My final interest is just going to be Jamal Williams. I don't really like it all that much. I think that by far and away, Marshawn Lynch is a better play, and so is Duke Johnson. Um, I think Duke Johnson is very close to Jamal Williams. They probably both see around 8 to 10 touches, both see some work in the receiving game, and whoever scores a touchdown outscores the other. I just think there's more of a ceiling for Duke Johnson because if the game gets out of hand, it's easier to take Carlos Hyde off the field than Aaron Jones for Jamal Williams because Jones is still an elite pass catcher. And then for LeSean McCoy, I have no interest. I don't really know what's going on with his status. He's pretty, pretty sketchy right now. Wide receivers. So let's do this now. And be sure I'll, I'll post up above my Patreon um, uh, the link to it. Well, it's also down below, but I'll just do a little pop out. You can check out the Patreon. I have exclusive content over there. I'm an independent content creator. So um, if you do want to donate over there, there you can. But there's also a ton of content that I'm producing over there that I don't put on YouTube, uh, not just in the, the audio version, podcasts and live streams, but a lot of other stuff as well. Um, game by game notes, data sheets, projections. You can check all of that up. It is linked up below if you just want to check it out. So wide receivers, Tyree Kills, is if there was tears to this, um, and there will be tears for the four-game slate, they're already actually uh, queued to go out tomorrow if you want to be interested in that Patreon above. I have my rankings there by position that my interests are. So Tyree Kill 
He's my number one player for me. Um, number one play versus Houston on the entire weekend. At, at, at any position is Tyree Kill for me, outside of maybe quarterback. But he's likely to see Garyon Conley, who's been top 10 in yards allowed, top two or three in receptions, I believe, giving up six touchdowns on the year. It's just a smash bot. Like, even if Garyon Conley's on him, it doesn't really matter too much. Like, he's going to see some double coverage. They'll move him into the slot. They'll put him in the backfield. This is a great spot for Tyree Kill. It's the playoffs. You use your weapons at home as a nine-point favorite. The faster-paced game on the slate the fastest paced team on the slate, $7,600 to me is a no-brainer. DeAndre Hopkins and Devontae Adams are two and three. All these guys are very close between Hill, Hopkins, and Adams in terms of pure projections. Um, Hill is about two points higher than the other ones for me, and he's the second cheapest. And then Hopkins is very similar to Adams in projection. He's just $400 cheaper, so he becomes the better play if you're saying point per dollar. But if you wanted to argue with me that Adams is the better play than Hopkins and even Hill, I could say maybe, probably not Hill, but Hopkins, I can say, yeah, it's kind of a coin flip for me. I think Hopkins sees some of Ward on the outside, some of Breland. None of those matchups should scare you all that much. Fuller being back surely will take attention off of Hopkins because you can't just double-team Hopkins every play. Fuller will burn you in one-on-one coverage, so that helps. Uh, Maybe it takes a target or two away. I have, like, Adams projected for 12 targets, Hopkins projected for 11, Tyree Kill projected for, I believe, 9 in this one. So you can see how much more Tyreek Hill's targets are are worth. Uh, Flowers is who Adams will see. He's given up 723 yards, 58 receptions, and two touchdowns this year. I have that 12-target projection for Devontae Adams, and I feel really confident about his role. Shaq Griffin, the the top 10, top 5 cornerback, according to Pro Football Focus, for the Seattle Seahawks, stays 95-plus percent of the time on the left side of the field. So uh, RIP Alan Lazard in this one, but Devontae Adams will be able to avoid uh, Shaq Griffin. He does not shadow. They have not shadowed all season long the Seattle Seahawks. Will Fuller is likely to play here, and as long as he does, $5,000 is way too cheap for a guy with the upside that he has. He's been seeing seven targets per game, and now you're probably in a spot where Deshaun Watson has to throw 20 to 25% more than he usually throws. Throw somewhere into the 40s in this one as a 10-point underdog. So if you're telling me that Will Fuller is going to line up for normally seeing seven targets a game, as long as he's healthy, let's literally knock on my wooden desk, well, now he might see nine targets in this one. That's fantastic and hard to pass up, even if he only sees the seven at $5,000 in a pretty good matchup where they're going to have to force the ball, especially downfield. Sammy Watkins is my final yes. He's my fifth ranked overall wide receiver for this slate. Um, look, he's too cheap. And yes, I know he hasn't been fantastic. Week one, he goes off. He gets all of his fantasy production. Then they, the reason why he doesn't do anything since then is because they moved him into the slot. Um, you had Tyree Kill injured. So they moved Sammy Watkins into the slot. They put Hardman on the outside with uh, Demarcus Robinson. They messed around with Byron Pringle at times. And it was hard for Sammy Watkins to have those big games out of the slot. It's very consistent for him to see seven, eight targets and have four or five catches for 50 yards, 60 yards, a pretty good real-life game, but not good for our fantasy purposes. But if he does that today, four or five catches for 60 yards, uh, or on Sunday, we're completely fine with that. At, f- at, 50, at 4,300, he continues to see the targets. He's going to have a killer matchup in the slot against Hargraves, who was cut by Tampa this year, and since then, their secondary and slot coverage has gotten much better because Hargraves is potentially one of the worst slot cornerbacks in the league, has not been playing great this year, always uh, room for improvement next year, but $4,300 is is a really good price point. And then my maybes, ranked sixth overall is DK Metcalf. It's just a pricing thing, and also the fact that I think Green Bay is going to get a lot of pressure here at home as a favorite. They have a top five pressure rate against a terrible offensive line. I think that hurts Metcalf's downfield potential. Uh, you have a good pressure unit going to pressure Wilson. Now, he can elude. He can be a magician. He can find guys downfield after scrambling. But this is also a pretty good secondary for the Packers. It's top half in the league. The pressure probably helps out a lot. Kevin King has been strong, and you imagine he's going to be on DK Metcalf just due to the size there. I think Metcalf is surely still in play. But when I'm looking at how I want to build my lineups, I want to get to Tyree Kill. I would love to get to another one of those top-end guys. You have Sammy Watkins and Will Fuller as wide receivers who are cheaper, quote-unquote, to get you there. I just prefer going that route than to the DK Metcalf range and then having to not get to any of the top-end guys or a top-end running back. 
Tyler Lockett is my seventh ranked player. He'll see Tremont Williams in the slot, who is giving up less than two receptions per game in the slot and less than 20 yards per game in the slot and man coverage. The Packers, when they get into zone coverage, are also very good against slot receivers. And when Tyler Lockett moves out of the slot, he'll go to the outside against Jair Alexander. Now, Lockett has been able in the past to have success against the Packers, but this Seattle team, whether it's Lockett, whether it's Russell Wilson, has never won nor had any sort of real success in Grant, in Lambeau Field. I believe it is now three games. 0-3, and, and Russell Wilson has had his most interceptions against this team. Uh, he just doesn't play well there, so it, it, I don't want to take that narrative too far, but he's also 6,600 for Lockett. I prefer his teammate, and then I prefer the same thing, getting up to wide receivers and getting down. Alan Lazard is my eighth-ranked wide receiver for this week for the two-game slate. Look, if he's chalky, it's, it's easy to fade him, and he probably will be because he's cheap. I would much rather have Will Fuller and Sammy Watkins. I'm just going to go there than getting to Alan Lazard, but if for some reason one of those guys like Will Fuller doesn't suit up or Sammy Watkins doesn't become as appealing by the weekend, I would get to Alan Lazard. The problem is he's going to see a lot of Shaq Griffin, and that's not good. Yes, he's seen 17 targets over the last two weeks. I've seen a couple of people comment that, but be inclined to know that it is very skewed. Rodgers has thrown 95 times in week 16 and 17. That is not going to happen here as four point favorites they want Rodgers to throw 30 to 35 times if he has to throw 40 fine but more times than not when he throws 30 to 35 Alan Lazard sees five targets that's why when he throws double that amount 95 times that's about three games worth of targets he's seeing 17 six five six whatever the target range comes out to so I would project Lazard for somewhere around five or six targets in this one but the far majority of those are going to come against Shaq Griffin, who has been very good in man coverage. It is a very scary spot for Lazard I'd probably avoid it number nine is David Moore for me number nine and ten can easily be flipped Nine is David Moore. He's priced up for a tough spot, and Brown is due back. So I'd probably avoid David Moore here at 3,900. Just the price is keeping him in play. I'm actually going to put David Moore as a no, but I just wanted to let you know that Jerron Brown is scheduled to return for this one. So instead of the 70% of the snaps for David Moore, you might get that push down to 50% of the snaps. Jerron Brown plays 25 or so, and that really hurts him because, I mean, he relies on being out there for that many snaps and seeing just two targets. Now, if you're going to take away a third of his snaps and he only sees one target, what is he really going to do for you? At 3,900, it could be okay, but I'm not going to go there. McCole Hardman, I'll keep in play. Um, we can keep him as our number 10 or number 9, whenever you want to move him up. He's just very similar to David Moore. Like, he might see one or two targets, but I think McCole Hardman's skill set and also an end around or two is much better uh, than David Moore's. Just that simple. So these guys down here, I don't think they're much of a interest for me. Kenny Stills moving into the slot at an increased price point. Not at much interest. Demarcus Robinson will stay on the field at 4,000, but he's just not targeted. Toronto Allison is pretty terrible at 3,600 in the slot. He's actually been taken off the field at times this year as well. Packers going to some two tight end sets. He's just not been good at by any means. He is 3,600. If you get two, three receptions out of him for 30, 40 yards, it could work out for you, uh, but I'm going to avoid it. Uh, with Kenny, with um, Will Fuller back, Kenny Stills in the slot, it makes Kiki Kute, DeAndre Carter just pointless to even think about playing. Jay Kumaru is going to see like 10 routes run at most in this one. MVS might see three or four routes run at most in this one. So it becomes a pretty big drop off from like the top eight to 10 wide receivers. I would stick to Sammy Watkins and Fuller for cheap ones. And as we close it out with tight ends here, please do hit that subscribe button. And remember, the contest is live. Uh, for this one, I didn't. I don't think I ever told you what to comment down below, but I guess just comment anything if, you, if you're still not watching. But if you are, uh, you can adjust your comment if you already have. It's all, all good. But you can say, what is your favorite um, just play on the entire slate below 7000 at any position? Uh, below $7,000 at any position, I think it might be Travis Kelsey for me. But we'll have to see. It's, it's very close between Travis Kelsey and Fuller. But right here on my tight end page, Travis Kelsey's number one. It's just by far and away. Like on a two-game slate, Travis Kelsey should never be $6,400. Travis Kelsey on this slate should be somewhere around $7,400, where he was for most of the year on 10-game slates, on 11-game slates. He is too cheap. Um, they're going to throw the ball a ton. A 30.25 team implied total it's up to now. 
in the faster paced game i'm projecting kelsey for somewhere around eight to nine targets in this one i'm not yet done on it uh, but it's going to project out really nice travis kelsey right now projects out as i believe compared to the running backs he would be projected for more points than all the running backs for me i believe right now on this two game slate and he's a thousand dollars cheaper than aaron jones so Yes, I like Travis Kelsey a lot. Number two is Jacob Hollister. And I do think, yes, I get the question often, do you think you could play two tight ends? Without a doubt, on these two game slates, definitely. When, especially when you have two viable ones. Travis Kelsey, more than viable. You should probably lock him into your tight end position. But Jacob Hollister's in a smash spot. Green Bay has struggled against every tight end they have faced this year. Caden Smith, you want to look at him? Yeah, he had a great game. His best game probably of his career so far. You want to go and look at Darren Waller, probably the best game of his career, 100 plus and two touchdowns. I want to look at Kelsey, Zach Ertz, Hunter Henry, Greg Olson, even his best game of the season. All of these teams, you want to know why? Because, well, they don't have any personnel to cover a crossing route on a tight end or anything in the intermediate range. They just don't have that personnel. Their safeties, Darnell Savage, who is a rookie who has been banged up this year, and Adrian Amos are very similar in their skill sets, and neither of them are that dominating type of player to take away your tight end. So Jacob Hollister in a game where Seattle last week, they didn't have to pass a lot, right? He didn't do much. He had like one or two targets. They didn't have to do all that much in the passing. It was a slow paced game. They ran the ball a lot. They had a lot of three and outs in the second half and they won a pretty crappy game 17 to nine. Um, Now you get a spot where they're probably gonna have to throw a little bit more. Not a great team total, but higher than what they scored last week. I would think Jacob Hollister sees five or six targets. He's ran the second most routes out of anybody on the team since Josh Gordon left three weeks ago, even more than I believe DK Metcalf just behind Tyler Lockett. They're very similar with Metcalf and Hollister. So keep an eye on it. He's only $4,000. Um, when you start to debate the $4,000 wide receivers versus $4,000 Hollister, like these $4,000, whoops, these $4,000 wide receivers here, um, like 4000 flat. B- between David Moore, McCole Hardman, uh, Demarcus Robinson, for me, it's not even close. I'd rather have Jacob Hollister. Sammy Watkins, I would rather have over Hollister, though. But you can go to tight end. Jimmy Graham is my last interest at tight end on this slate. It's hard to get to with how weak... Um, he has been he's been very bad at separating he's dropped passes in the red zone he does show up sometimes um so here at 3300 i'm willing to take a risk in some lineups probably in some two tight end lineups on jimmy graham the packers need other pass catchers they literally have aaron jones jamal williams but only one of them will be on the field at the same time and then Devonte adams i do think alan lazard gets locked up by shaq griffin maybe some more opportunity in the middle of the field for jimmy graham We'll keep an eye on the Houston tight ends, but Darren Fells and Jordan Atkins, they don't do much for me. If anything, I would I would play Fells, but I'd rather just take a chance on Jimmy Graham, who's going to be on the field more. All right, gang, that is it. That is the two-game slate. I do appreciate you tuning in. Be sure to enter that contest down below. Hit the subscribe button. I really, really appreciate it. 20000 by the Super Bowl would be all so awesome. You can check out my Patreon exclusive content linked up down below, as well as hitting the little I button above. A little sidebar will pop out, and you can check out Patreon right there as well. And then follow me on my social medias at Salvetri DFS on Twitter and Salvetri over on Instagram. Check out Fantasy Draft. It is linked up down below. Just clicking the link helps me, even if you just want to take the second to click it. But you should also check out their main event. It's a really good contest. It's two X-Men cash, just 13% the first this weekend, which is good. It's a very balanced approach for all the winnings. You don't have to worry about, oh, I finished third and won nothing. No, you win a good amount. So check that out. Thank you for tuning in once again. You all rock. My name is Sal. You already know that. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.